Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on gotodobbs.com today. The Danny Mac Show with BK Podcast, powered by I Promise. Now, here's Danny Mac with BK. pitch. Molina serves it into right center. There it is. Hit number 2,000 for Yadier Molina. The 12th catcher in the history of Major League Baseball with 2,000 hits. One of the greatest ever to put on a Cardinals uniform. And there it is. Hit number 2,000 for Yadi. And he's back for one more. Welcome into the show, Tuesday edition. The Danny Mac Show with BK. Tanner Hendrickson is with us. Will Leach is coming up from MLB.com. He's a huge Cardinal fan. As Randy was saying, he's writing all the time. So we'll talk it over with Will Leach and uh, get his thoughts on Yachty coming back. BK, um, number one, that hit in my opinion, solidified it for him. That was the final nail in the good coffin, if there's ever been a good coffin. And I'm going to say there was, in this case, the the case to be made for Yachty as a Hall of Famer. That was it. That's the final nail in the coffin. And uh, wound up with 2,001 career hits. And now he's coming back for another season with the Cardinals. Was this ever in doubt? I don't think so. There was a... Oh, come on there now. There was once come upon on a time... Really? A moment when I think a lot of Cardinals fans, myself included, had some questions. Was it going to happen or not? And I think they were fair. I think they were reasonable. This was back in December. Remember when they said January is the new December? Right. And we had heard how the Cardinals aren't going to increase their payroll at all. And it, it seemed like they were just kind of laying in the weeds, just kind of waiting out there to see what happened in the market. Turned out it was a good thing that they were waiting in the market because they got Nolan Arenado, and maybe that was a little enticing for be Adam Wainwright. Remember, you, you just I, I, where did Shirts I hear now that? on sale one hundred and one ESPN Very good. You just got to be patient, BK. That's what it's all about. You just got to be patient. Mo was right. Mo was right. He was right on he, this one. He waited it out. He he believed that the market was going to bear it out, that Yachty would have to come back to St. Louis on a deal that made sense for the Cardinals. Well, and had, that's exactly what happened. You had to wait it out because you had JT Romuto, who was the big fish, and then McCann became uh, the, uh, the people just love his sabermetric numbers. He winds up going for the Mets for a bunch of money. It was about $10 million per season. And then the market started to kind of show itself and other teams started to grab other players at a lesser value. So you just start looking at it. It's not real hard to do. And then the heart. But if there was a hard part with Yachty is the sentimental part. And what's your value to that home team? What's the value of legacy? What are you willing to pay for that? The Cardinals figured it out. He figured it out. Voila, you got a deal. And nine million's a totally fair deal for both sides. Absolutely. It's a very good deal. It's right underneath what James McCann got from the Mets. He's right around $10 million per season. I said all along, and I think this was kind of the conventional wisdom 
somewhere between eight and ten million dollars felt like the right spot for Yachty. I'm guessing the Cardinals probably wanted closer to eight. Yachty probably wanted closer to ten. They met in the middle. That's how you end up with a one year nine million dollar deal. Will this be? Here's my question for you, Dan. I know you're going with this and no, I don't think it's going to be his final year. You think he does another one or he, I do. Will, he will want to do another one. That's probably the better way to put it. The minute that I heard about this, I, everybody's like, well, this is, we'll be able to watch him in his final year. And I'm going, who said it's his final year? Last time he signed a three-year deal, he said, this is my final contract. Do you really believe this is his final year? I don't. And I don't have any inf- inside information sure. to believe one way or another. It's just my personal opinion. If he goes out and has a good year, team plays well, maybe they win a World Series, whatever. The guy loves baseball. He lives, eats, breathes baseball. If he's healthy enough to do it, why not? Go out and play another year. And if the Cardinals feel that it's a fit, then they go ahead and do it. And if not, then he moves on. That's how it works. I think he's back for another year. Not only do I think he plays for another year, but I think he plays here in St. Louis. Bridges the gap to, for the, another year. to the young kid Herrera. That's exactly why. Yvonne Herrera is 20 years old right now. He will be 21 going into next season. He has just missed an entire year of baseball where he didn't get to play in a regular season. He has not played above. He played a little bit in a ball. He played literally two games or two, uh, double A played two games there. Spent the 2019 season at a ball. I think you could get him a little bit more of a couple more at bats in double A and triple A before you decide to bring him up as your everyday big league starter. So I would not be surprised at all if he's got one more year and even after this season. Now you got to perform. Absolutely. Got to perform. That's the uh, the key with this. So I was doing a little numbers here. Some easy ones. 110 hits shy of Rogers Hornsby for third place on the all time really? hit list for the Cardinals. Um, so you got Musial Brock and then you got Yachty and then 66 runs bad. He's probably going to get that this year. I would think it'll be 110 hits. Yeah, it'll be right around there. Every year that he's been an everyday starter since 2008, he's finished with at least 110 hits. Yeah, so gotta stay healthy. Yep. And then what do you think? Does he get to 66 runs batted in? He is 66. That one's gonna be tougher. Shy of a thousand, especially. Well, here's the thing. In my lineup, he's hitting seventh. Now that's also dependent on what happens with Tyler O'Neill and a Tommy Edmond and some others. Now, by default, if others do not perform, well, we got we got old Yachty. Let's move it on up there. Come on, Yachty. Come on up. You're back in there. But the other thing is that you might have a chance because those middle-of-the-order guys are performing and they get on base. You got a chance to drive them in. So it's kind of the chicken the egg, right? You got a little bit of both. Uh, 66 runs batted in, BK. That would give him a 1,000. That's a big number. If I, if we're right and he plays another year, I think he gets there. Oh, he'll get there, yeah. It, it's going to be tough to do it in one season. No though. question about it's it. It's going to be tough. So he signs with the Cardinals, $9 bucks, 17 years. He's been a nine-time All-Star, nine-time Gold Glove winner, Silver Slugger, two-time world champ. So some of the numbers, over 2,000 hits, 2,001 going into this season, 160 home runs, 932 runs batted in. How about the career average? I know we don't look at average anymore. It's supposed to be something that you don't look at. I still do. 281 career average. 280 hitter in the playoffs, Dan. It's incredible. You know, for a guy that when he first came up, they told him, don't worry, literally, do not worry about your offense. And there were times it looked like, you know, you just went up there and you were kind of hoping. 
and the key to his career, in my opinion, when I look back on it, and I've called just about every one of his games, the key to his career was the 2006 postseason. It's when it all changed. Aaron Heilman was on the mound in Game 7 against the Mets. The Cardinals, young Yadier Molina steps up, hits a home run, and all of a sudden the fortunes of this franchise in the mid-2000s uh, changed and also for a young Yadier Molina. He hits it in the air to left field. Back is Chavez. At the wall, this ball is gone. Two-run home run, Yadier Molina. And St. Louis takes a 3-1, to one, ninth inning, Game 7 lead. And you go back to that year. You go back to the previous season. You go back to 2004. The MV3 was here. You didn't care about the offensive Yadier Molina. You cared about how good he was behind the plate. And, man, was he good. He was electric. Just If you want to watch guys throw, catch and throw now, there was nothing like watching that guy early in his career. And still at times, he's still above average. He's still really good. But all of a sudden, after 2006, something clicked. Got smarter, got better, got in better shape. Look, Go back and look at the highlights when he first came in. He Not, looks better today than he did then. Because he is in better yep. shape. We got to summer camp this year. He almost looked too skinny. He keeps himself in great shape. That's why you can play that position until you're almost 40. It's not by accident. So give him all the credit in the world. So all of a sudden, he becomes a very good player and a hitter. And in 2006, he could have been a postseason MVP. Scott Rowland could have been. It went to David Eckstein. But every single year, he got better and better offensively. And now you had the two-headed monster of being a great defensive player and mix in the fact that he's a very good offensive player and in my mind, BK, it's a slam dunk. He's going to the Hall of Fame. I think he will. Um, he's going to go down as an all-time great Cardinal. We already know that much. I fully expect that he's going to get into the Hall of Fame, especially, Dan, if he ends up playing, even if we operate under the assumption that this is his final year in St. Louis. If this team's as good as I think it can be, he's going to have a playoff moment or two this year yes. at the back end of his career. And that me- that's meaningful. It's a- For him to be able to potentially cap off his career with – Maybe it's a game-winning hit in an NLDS series or um, a caught stealing in game three of the NLDS that sends it to the night, whatever, right? He's going to have a moment because that's how Yachty is. When you get to the biggest games, he steps up every single time, it feels like. So I fully anticipate he's going to have another one of those big-time moments this year because I think this team's going to be pretty darn good with him on And it. partner, to your point, go back to the three-game series against the Padres just, uh, what was it, seven months ago, six months, whatever the hell it was. He was awesome defensively. He was the best player defensively on both sides. And I'm telling you, he does things. He's a step ahead. And if you watch some of the plays that he made – it was unbelievable. Now I'm going to tell you, here, I'm going to pull back the curtain a little bit. There's a couple players on the old Padres that said to the old Cardinals, I can't believe he just made that play. And they, they, I was talking to some guys about that, and they are like, that was unbelievable. He had two of those plays against the Padres that they said, I, I didn't understand what he was doing, and then the play happened, and then I got caught up, and he was like, oh, the lead runner was there, so that's why he threw it there, and then the back runner was here. Oh, that's the lead runner. There's the force play. I can't believe he just did that in real time. He did that. He is so smart 
He's a savant on the baseball field. He truly is. And by is. the way, it was a fantastic hitter for him in the postseason as well. Finished that yeah. series 6 for 13 with an OPS over 1,000. Yes, I understand it's three games, but that's Yachty. We all come to expect it at this point. Air Comfort Service text line is open for you. We're going to start to... Uh, I will mingle with the uh, the great listeners of 101 as we go along uh, throughout this hour. BK alongside Danny Mac with you. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. With Danny Mac, I'm Brandon Kylie. It is the Danny Mac Show with BK. Happy to be going out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. Will Leach joining us here on the show. He's a columnist for MLB.com, was the founder of Deadspin as well. Will, we always appreciate the time, man. How you doing today? I'm mirthful. Hey, you know, in, I'm here in Georgia. It's 65 degrees right oh, now. Oh, sweet, so Will. baseball weather where we are. Yeah, sweet. It's about, I think my phone, I woke up this morning, and you know how it says feels like temperature? It said <laughs> negative zero, which I didn't know was a thing, but apparently is a thing for Apple. Yeah, feels like go back to bed. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Will, let's start out with you are, you are a Cardinals fan for any, anybody in our audience that is not aware of that. What was your reaction as a fan whenever you saw the news that the Cardinals were acquiring Nolan Arenado? Yeah, you know, I really felt uh, after the last two or three years of rumors that it's always kind of popping up with Arenado, I feel like I would actually need to see him in the uniform to believe it. But, yeah, to have it happen, you know, it really, obviously, there's been a lot of frustration, I think, among Cardinals fans over the, over the kind of the offseason. Really, the last couple off seasons was kind of the quiet and uh, almost the passiveness of the front office. I think that uh, uh, this, this uh, obviously, Arenado is an incredible player, and that's exciting. But I think it also speaks to uh, the Cardinals kind of fulfilling that kind of contract they've had with their fans, that understanding of, you know what, we're going to do what it takes to win. And, and like we value that here to see the rest of the NL Central kind of not really doing a lot and, and even going backwards a little bit. It felt like there was a real opportunity there for the Cardinals to do something. Uh, they hadn't done anything. So to bring in Arenado, I think, and then obviously with Wainwright and now uh, Yadier Molina coming back, there is something about that feels like a promise fulfilled in a contract kind of, uh, this is what you're supposed to do when you run the Cardinals. You're supposed to go out and try to win. And clearly uh, it's hard to do that much better than Arenado. Well, you're writing for MLB.com, right? Yes, sir. Okay. You got to help me on something here. Uh Oh, I can't be, I can't speak to all content. I understand that man, but MLB.com released its rankings of the top 10 rotations in baseball following the Bauer signing. And um, MLB.com did not have the Cardinals in uh, the top 10. And I think they were outside the top 15. Yeah, they had five honorable mentions and the Cardinals were not among them. Yeah, I, I, I don't see how they're not in the top half of baseball. That, that one surprised me a little bit just because, and I, I could understand maybe Wainwright at the age of 39-40 and you're not sure about the fifth starter, although there's some pretty good options. There's some question marks maybe with Miles Michaelis coming back, but... I think to the greater point is that in 2021, you need arms, and they have a bunch of them that have been at the major leagues and have had pretty good success. Where, where do you stand on this? Yeah, well, I'll certainly bring this up in the Zoom this afternoon. Oh, I would know, appreciate but, that. Uh, if you need me to hijack <laughs> it, I'm in. <laughs> but I will say, like, I obviously it seems silly to me. I think the whole Cardinals success, you know, the Cardinals are good when the rotation is working, and I think it's all, it's all kind of founded on that idea. I, so I certainly think they're in the top half. I do think there are reasons for concern with it, with the rotation this year. I, you know, to me, there are a lot of questions. Wainwright was their best pitcher last year, which is great, 
but he is also the third oldest player in baseball right now. And so I think uh, we, we've seen him do a lot of things that, that maybe a lot, a lot of people his age are able to do. Uh, Kim was really good, but there's questions about the strikeout rate. And listen, to me, the Cardinals are a top 10 uh, rotation easily if Jack Flaherty is what we thought that he was coming into last season. I think all kind of expect him to be. He was getting Cy Young talk last year. I think there were a lot of reasons. The shutdown, obviously a lot of difficulties for the Cardinals with playing baseballs against a mattress for a week and a half. Everybody gets a lot of the issues they had and how that kind of messed up Flaherty season a little bit. But Flaherty, like for this rotation to really be what it needs to be, Flaherty needs to be an ace, and he was not an ace last year. I think he's got the stuff to be an ace. I think a lot of people think he can do it, but I think for the reason I think some people are down in the Cardinals rotation, it's not quite. It's certainly not uh, quantity. They certainly have a lot of different options. But you know, right now, if Flaherty is not that anchor ace, I think the Cardinals expect him to be, and I think a lot of them expect him to be coming into 2020. I think there's a reason to be uh, maybe not that low on the Cardinals rotation, but maybe not to think it's the immediate strength that we've always seen it as in the past. How much does Yachty's return change your uh, impression of that rotation? Certainly, it's, it's uh, nothing against Kisner, but uh, I think certainly uh, everybody's happier when, when Yachty's around. You know, I think these things are always difficult to quantify, but just because something is difficult to quantify does not mean it's not plainly obvious and true for anyone who's watching. So I think that having Molina uh, certainly settles that down. But, you know, I mean, again, you know, you, the guy's still got to do it, you know, and I think that the last couple of years, you know, I enjoyed watching this Caribbean series and seeing uh, Carlos Martinez going against uh, Yachty and kind of the fun they had with that. But, you know, you've got to get stuff out of Carlos, you know, you got to make them make sure that Michaelis is healthy. You know, that there are questions in the rotation. Yachty certainly makes it better, but you know, Yachty's uh, uh, caught some bad pitchers before, <laughs> you know, so I think that he can only do so much. I think he helps, but uh, uh, certainly they're better off with Yachty. And frankly, everything just feels a little bit more calmer and more normal with Yachty back. I even look at the depth chart, you get a roster, re- the roster resource page in the roster page. It was just weird. Not seeing Yadier Molina's name there. It's very unsettling to see him back. Uh, it certainly feels like things are back in the right place. So are you uh, on your zoom today? Are we going to find out that spring training games probably in the state of Florida reduced a little bit and maybe, you know, teams staying on one state of the Florida, other teams staying on the other side and maybe some inner squad and making sure that we get everything done safely and as healthy, uh, healthy as we can. Well, our, our Zoom, my Zoom is a little lower level than that, but I do think that they, they, uh, uh, but there's no question. Uh, you know, you've seen Ken Rosenthal report a lot of the details yesterday about how, particularly for the first kind of week of training camp, don't be surprised if uh, you if you see five inning games, <laughs> and, uh, and I think managers are going to have a lot of leeway to shorten these games. It's funny that a lot of the protocols that you see for spring training, like they're as tight as they are during the major major league season. They're really kind of tied up. Now, major league baseball has made it clear that they would love to be able to loosen these restrictions that, uh, that they have uh, throughout the year. You know, they, but I really do feel like it's been understated how terrific of a job major league baseball did last year at being able to, like they went two months without a positive test outside of a bubble. That is, uh, as someone that covers all sports for New York Magazine, that's remarkable. That's not something the NBA has been able to do. The NFL wasn't close to that. To be able to do that, true, the Justin Turner situation was close. But uh, certainly having two months to be able to do that shows that the protocols work. And I think kind of gave a lot of a credence to the players' notion that, like, hey, listen, we, made, we had the protocols work last year. We don't need a shortened season. We don't need to delay the season because we did this last year. So there are protocols, but I do think – that uh, the hope is, as uh, if knock on wood, I think we're all hopeful that the pandemic is coming into a, a little bit potentially of a little bit better phase. I think the hope is if, if more vaccinations come out and things get better, 
some of these restrictions will be loosened. But yeah, it's certainly going to be a very different spring training experience, not just for players, but obviously for fans. Will Leach, columnist for MLB.com, joining us here on 101 ESPN. Well, final question that I've got for you. I've been asking all of our guests this that are, are joining us nationally over the last few days. Where do you think the Cardinals rank in this National League now? I mean, we, we know who the other big contenders are. It's the Braves, the Mets, the Padres, the Dodgers. Among that group of kind of five, if you include the Cardinals, where do you think the Cardinals rank right now? I think the Cardinals among those five are probably five, but I also you can make an argument that they're maybe in a better position, particularly those teams in the East. The East is a tough division, pretty pretty much top to bottom. I mean, the Marlins, I think, are pretty much everyone's consensus last place team, and they made the NLDS last year. <laughs> so I think that you know the the East is is tougher than I think people give it credit for. The Cardinals' advantage is a obviously Arenado makes them a better team, and I I tend to agree more with. Uh, with Danny than, than my colleagues at MLB, I think that uh, uh, the Cardinals' rotation is something they should they should feel pretty strong about. But certainly, the big advantage the Cardinals have in, among uh, the, the playoff teams, they're in the Central. In <laughs> the Central, just you know, you've seen a lot of stasis and a lot of just not a lot of movement really uh, with the rest of the Central. That gives the Cardinals an advantage. And Arenado, I would argue, makes them pretty clearly the favorite of that division. Not every statistical uh, fan graphs. I think Baseball Perspectives came up with the standings today, and they actually did not have the Cardinals first. I think that's wrong. I think the Cardinals are the best team. But if you put the Cardinals in the East and had them play the Mets and the Nationals and the Phillies and the and the I think that's a tougher division. I think they have the advantage of being the NL Central. But of those five, I think as of right now, I've not put them at that level. But frankly, once you get into the postseason, that doesn't really matter. Uh, my final question for you, too, Will Leach, our guest. I, I'm not sold yet that there's not going to be a DH in baseball. Obviously, everything has to get negotiated, and it comes down to money. Everything comes down to money. Now, we do have the runner at second for safety and health protocols and extra innings. Uh, we have some of the things that we've had last year coming back in 2021. Uh, are you sold that there will not be a DH before opening day of 2021? What do you think? Listen, after last year, when they basically re- redid the entire playoff system like an hour before the Nationals exactly. and the came on the field, like I feel like anything is possible at that level. Certainly, when you have something like the DH, which clearly both sides want, you would think that that's something to be able to come together. But, you know, there's a lot of things I would have thought they'd have been able to come together a little bit uh, before this time of the year. And it really hasn't happened. You know, and again, I don't think it's so much that people disagree about these things now. I think there is agreement about the designated hitter. I think it really is about negotiating position for after the year is over. And I think both the players and the owners are hesitant to give up something that they know is that they know is going to be on the table next year. And sure, you can say it's just for this year, but uh, we'll check back at the end of the year and see if everyone's like everyone agrees that that was just for this year. I think everything is about negotiation for the end of the CBA at the end of this year. So I still think it should happen. And I think in any other year, it would be obvious that it would happen. But I think because of the CBA and, and everything that's coming up, people are kind of, uh, are kind of uh, drawing their lines in the sand a little bit. I still feel like it, there's, there's time to make it happen. It still makes too much sense. But uh, uh, certainly, I stopped getting too optimistic about, about hand-holding an agreement between management and the players, um, pretty much anything anymore. And that includes something like this, which they're clearly on the same side of otherwise. Hey, Will, thanks for doing this. We appreciate you. And uh, you can read Will Leach at MLB.com and also The New Yorker. Thanks, Will. Thank you. Be safe. You too. That's Will Leach of MLB.com. What struck you in our conversation with Mr. Leach? So I think the biggest thing is... I. 
I think everybody comes out on the Cardinals pitching differently. And the way that you view the team going into 2021, I think in a lot of ways is a direct reflection of how you view this pitching staff. Mm -hmm. Because if you're high on the pitching staff, you're probably high on the Cardinals. If you're low on this pitching staff, you probably have them maybe winning the division, but being kind of like Will Leach said, fifth among those top five contenders in the National League. And I really do understand both perspectives. I'm personally higher on the pitching staff, though, than it seems like most people are. Dan, did you see the Pocota projections came out earlier today? I couldn't. They had the Cardinals third in the division, I believe. Third in the division with, they do a um, decimal point, so it's 80.6 wins is what they have simulated. So basically an 81-win team. What was it, Milwaukee, Chicago, St. Louis? Milwaukee is an 89-win team, according to these projections. Chicago, 85. St. Louis, 81. Can somebody please explain to me how the Chicago Cubs, looking on paper, going up and down the lineup, going up and down the pitching staffs, please, please somebody show me how the Cubs are a better baseball team today than the St. Louis Cardinals. I would love to hear it. I can listen to the arguments on Milwaukee. I can't see it on Chicago at all. I'm okay with the Cubs lineup. I got to wonder where are the Cubs come the trade deadline. I, I just and I what's think their it's, rotation going to be. Well, that's who, the, who do I trust outside of Hendricks? That's my point too. Is it the big question is um, and they probably flip Davies for something who they got back in the big deal that they had with Darvish. And so, you know, that's the thing. I, I don't like their pitching, and I'm saying, can they sign Javi? Now, I've been told they're trying to sign Baez long-term, but they're not going to sign Chris Bryant, so he's gone. And if Chris Bryant returns to form, that's a massive bat that they're trying to flip by the trade deadline that's out of their lineup. And it sounds like they would like to trade Contreras, too. Yes. So you're telling me that I'm supposed to and believe Jason in Hayward is Jason Hayward. Yeah. I, I, no, I, I, I'm with you. I, I don't understand that either. I'm I'm at a loss for it. I, I went back through the projections from Pakoda by year, though. And going back to 2013, every year they've been low on the Cardinals by at least four wins. The Cardinals have added at least four wins every single season since 2013 on the Pakoda projections. And if you go over that time, it's an average of six wins they've been off per year. So this is nothing new. There's something with the way that the Cardinals build their roster that the Cardinals internally, and they've been proven right more often than not, believe in that Pakoda just doesn't see. And I don't know what that is specifically, but I think it's the young pitching that's more difficult to project. But how could you not looking at this season being an outlier of sorts, if you're doing projections and saying, and teams are even talking about it publicly. Some teams have said even piggybacking or going to a six man rotation and saying, okay, if we know that BK and you and I are doing our projections and we're going to spend a night going through everybody's pitching and where their depth is and not look at the Cardinals and say, well, there, yeah, there's some question marks. As I mentioned earlier, Wainwright's gotten older. Uh, Michaelis is coming off an injury. You don't know who the fifth starter is, but having said that, and I'm, I'm one of those people that I have my question marks too, but the, the fallback is they've got arms to fill and then they have middle relief guys that are pretty good. And the back end of their bullpen could be sensational. Now, it's got to go to plan, don't get me wrong, but yet the options are there where other teams don't have those options. In 2021, teams are going to be very careful about what they do because they're protecting, in particular, young pitchers that only threw 40 innings last year. You have to look at that. 
It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't to me as well. And, Dan, I've got one more thing on the other side, if you don't mind. Well, you know, BK, we are co-hosts, so you do anything you want. I would love to share with you the projections that they have for Paul Goldschmidt and Paul DeYoung. Yeah, let's hear this. We'll do it on the other side because I don't understand these even more than I don't understand some of the numbers that they're projecting for the pitchers. Now, you are getting married, and when is this going to happen? December of this year. Wow. Okay. It's coming up. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Danny Mac Show with BK. BK had to step out for just a moment. Tanner Hendrickson is our producer, and we're going to have uh, Alex step in because one of the things we were going to get into was talking about the Blues last night are, are, are you okay i'm good okay i'm good dan i thought they played well last night actually I did too and that's the thing i got blasted on post game because me saying that <laughs> yeah and you laugh because you know but oh, i've been there done it but when you when you go on a post game after a loss where they give up a lead you can't look at it as a positive thing but i mean i thought they played well dan but correct me if i'm wrong i told you preseason that the Arizona Coyotes were going to be a problem for the Blues, and they posed that last night. But overall, I thought they I thought they played a very solid game. Um, but unfortunately, their penalties hurt them. And I know that's what led to the loss. One of the things you guys were going to talk about is a lot of Blues hockey coming up, and I was going to mention too. Craig Berube is coming up, I believe, at two thirty. He'll be on the fast lane coming up at two thirty, mm-hmm. and you guys are working on some other things too coming up on your show. Yeah, we got Mike Johnson. If you remember uh, the former NHL forward, the former Blues forward, he's uh, he's on NHL Network now, so he's going to join us today. And then, of course, Jeremy Rutherford talking a little bit about uh, about what happened last night because I know a lot of people frustrated and. I'm probably going to get blasted even more, Dan, about saying that they had a good game. I I thought they played okay. It's all right. I'm not. I I just want you positive. Every time you talk blues to me, I can see in your brain going, no. "Oh, Hall and Oates, Ferrari, no, Hall no, no, and no. Oates, Ferrari." You know what I thought about What's last that? night? I'm going to give you credit because I thought you were out of your mind when you said that Arizona would be a thorn in the blue side this year. Yeah. And I'm going to give you credit. You're the one that said it. They took what is that? Three game, four games you played against. Yeah. And they took seven of or six, five of. Hold on, quick math. Boom, 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 boom. Five of eight points yeah. against this team, and then you got two more right now as it stands. Maybe another one. Who knows? That that could bury you in the standings at this point in the season. Yeah, very quickly, what is the schedule for fans that are out there with everything that's going on with COVID? So, We've so, had so many cancellations. Yeah, so Thursday's was postponed because of Minnesota having more positive tests. So right now they play Saturday and Monday. But the NHL said yesterday that the plan is to hopefully reschedule some games within that Thursday-Friday window because otherwise they'd be off from Tuesday to Saturday. So I don't know if it's going to be Arizona. I don't know if it's going to be another team around their division, but somebody's probably going to get rescheduled Thursday or Friday to give the Blues another game before. Thanks for coming in on the crossover. Thanks, Danny. All right, that's uh, Alex Ferrario. BK, we were talking about uh, projections, and you wanted to get into the two guys that we'll be talking about all season long in the middle, let's assume they're in the middle of the lineup. No, let's not even assume it. Put it in pen. Put it in a Sharpie. They will be, and that's Arenado, Goldschmidt, Goldschmidt, Arenado, wherever you want to put them. And interesting numbers looking at those two. Yeah, and DeYoung specifically as well. Paul Goldschmidt, so those Pakoda numbers, I, I mentioned them before the break about how Pakoda's very low on the Cardinals going into next year. And these are the projections that come around, out around this time every year. Pakoda has Paul Goldschmidt projected to hit 260 
with 23 homers, which seems pretty darn low given the fact that he's basically, you can write it in stone, 285, 290 batting average with 35-ish home runs every year. And a lot of that is whether or not he's pitched to, and that's how it changes because now he's got some type of protection. And if there was a great example of, of whether or not he'll hit 30 home runs in a full season, it was last year. If he's not going to be pitched to, he just takes what he's given. I know that's cliche, but man... That's the example. He's just not going to expand his own. He just doesn't do it. And even if that is the case, which it's not going to be this year, because now he does have that project uh, protection behind him, a 260 batting average for right. Paul Goldschmidt. I know we don't care much about batting average, and they have him with a 375 on base, which is very good, but that seems incredibly low to me. The one that is even more interesting, though, is a guy that I think is kind of the swing player for the Cardinals this season, which is Paul DeYoung. Mm-hmm. They have Paul DeYoung projected to hit 230, which would be abysmal with a 300 on base percentage. Again, that's the one I'm worried about. Yeah. And 24 homers, 230 batting average, 300 on base percentage with just 24 homers. If that is what they get out of Paul DeYoung, then I completely understand in 80 to 85 win projection because that is where you could end up having just those two guys in the middle of the order that really step up. That's a, That would be a concerning season for me if I'm a Cardinals fan, and so, I don't expect it to be the case. We talked about it yesterday, the back end of the Cardinal lineup, which I still think has some holes unless the young guys step up. you got to have some kind of protection around a young. Now, he will expand, and he's going to walk into some home runs. You can pitch him up. If you ever noticed, where where do teams get him out? They'll pitch him up with a fastball. He'll chase it. He's really tried hard to lay off that that pitch. But if you get a little protection with him and he gets the ball and he drives it, for instance, this time last year down in spring training, right? Well, we're right before it, but in spring training last year, he was going the other way. He was using the entire field. If you get that Paul DeYoung, man, oh, man, those numbers you're talking about, throw him out the window. He's a different player. Dylan Carlson, just kind of throw this one out there as well. Dan, I love these things. They're fun. I'm starting to understand why they're so low on the Cardinals. 218 batting average, 285 mm. on base percentage with 15 homers. If if that is the season, they get out of Dylan Carlson, 220 batting average, and Paul DeYoung, 230 batting average. Okay, yeah, Cardinals are going to have a bad year. Sure. I would be stunned, absolutely stunned, if those are the types of uh, production that you get out of those two players. And here's how I'll, I'll refute the, and again, you're 100% right. If that happens, long year. Dylan Carlson, the thing I would say, there's two factors. Where he hits in the lineup, which I'm going to put him in in my lineup. I'm putting him somewhere where there's a guy behind him, Arenado, Goldschmidt, if not both. So that would mean number two. The other thing I'm telling him as a guy that's watched him now, albeit small sample size, but I've watched a lot of baseball. He's got to be more aggressive early in counts. He, he watched a lot of pitches go by that were drivable pitches, where in the minor leagues, you can get away with it. You know, you look at the numbers that he had on base percentage. Why are, why are pitchers still in the minor leagues, BK? Because they can't control the strike zone. So you take that first pitch strike, and you're still maybe working a walk. You take a first pitch strike in the big leagues, now guys can toy with you because they got good stuff, and they can locate it, and that's a problem. You know, all teams are analytically based. So now I'm going to flip this on us, okay? Sure. I'm going to say, now what if the Cardinals want to go out and improve their pitching? There's a name that's out there in Jake Odorizzi. Now he interests me, and he uh, interests me greatly. Uh, number one, he's a local kid. He's from Highland, Illinois, and I think that's of interest. Now, last year he took the qualifying offer, got beat up a little bit, wasn't great. But if you look at his body of work, and I- I'm going to throw in a couple things here. 
let's let's look at the fact that he's a fly ball pitcher. Um, he gets a fly ball rate about 45% of the time prior to last year. Last year, throw it out, injured, not a lot of innings, all that stuff. So um, if you are going to reduce the baseball this year, which is something we didn't really get into and dive into, uh, five more teams this year apparently are going to add humidor, humidors to the, the their ballparks and try to reduce seeing the, the home runs. The KBO has done this, a variation of what Major League Baseball is trying to do. So they actually saw in the KBO slugging percentage down by 14%. Home runs were cut by a third. The ballpark here in St. Louis would play to Jake Odorizzi. So if you're an analytically based team, the Cardinals are, uh, all teams are, but the Cardinals really are. Jake Odorizzi makes some sense. Now, I don't know what that price point would be, but boy, that's that's enticing to me. Just looking at the numbers as to why you might want to take a flyer on Jake Odorizzi. I think he's a great fit here. Um, it brings certainty to a rotation that, while I am personally high on it, and I know you are as well, Dan, it is true that there's not a ton of certainty there right now. Jack Flaherty, the there's, there's some and, yeah. questions. Uh, Miles Michaelis, is he going to be 100% back to health? What does Adam Wainwright look like when it's 162 games and not a 60-game season at this age? What does KK look like when the league has a little bit more film on him? There are fair questions to ask about what the Cardinals have in their rotation right now. I think the biggest thing for me is they don't have that clear-cut number two. I feel really good about Flaherty as my number one. I I personally feel okay about KK or Michaelis being able to fill that role as your number two, but it's not obvious and clear to everybody who that guy is, who where you're going to get 180 innings out of him and it's going to be a 3-5-ish, 3-7 ERA. I think that's exactly what Jake Odorizzi brings to the table, and that that is the type of role that he would be able to fill for you. Let's just say currently constructed because it's fun to talk about. Um, Let's say Flaherty. I'm going to throw out the names, and then we'll – Go from one through five. Flaherty, KK, Michaelis, Wainwright, and then you've got, let's say, Martinez or Alex Reyes as your number five. Uh, who would be your number two right now? I think for me it would be KK going into the season. I think so too. And the reason why, I want to be very cautious with my innings with Adam Wainwright. And now part he would be of my it, number five probably going into the year, honestly. Part Four of it is, five. well, part of it is too, is that I want to try to design it. And I got to look at my off days, and I have not done this yet. Uh, I got to look at my off days and I got to see how many times I can get him to start at home too. Sometimes you can manipulate the schedule to get him more starts at home, get him a rest. Maybe there's times that you skip him a start or two in, in April or May. And I wonder if that's on the table with, he's 39 years old. You know, he's going to be 40 with a ton of mileage. It's, you know, it's okay to skip a start, especially coming out of spring training. When guys are stretched out, i.e. Martinez, Reyes, maybe Henesis Cabrera, you can do a bullpen start. It's okay to do that. I wonder if that's on the table for the Cardinals initially in the first month or two. Yeah, I'm very fascinated to find out if they even experiment a little bit with the six, uh, six-man rotation. Sure. And, like, that's, and I get that. Maybe they don't truly call it that. Maybe they won't label it as a six-man rotation. And you don't have to do it for the full year. Sure, you just you, a spot start here and there. That's right. You know, you, hey, you know, Alex Reyes is going to give us three innings today as a starter. That's fine. I got no, no issues with that. Reyes coming out, and then you've got uh, maybe it's Ponce coming out as a long That's reliever right behind him, or, or Gant, whoever you want as kind of the quote-unquote piggyback starter from him. I think they've got a lot of options for how they can limit the innings on some of their young starters or Wayno older starters. Yeah. 
there's ways that they can massage this to be able to get to the end of the regular season while still feeling good about their pitchers having enough to get to the end of the season. And the other thing, too, it's it's sometimes not always, hey, this is our number two. Like, go to Rizzi, if you got him, he'd say, well, he's an innings eater. He's your number two. If you had KK and you're facing, let's say, the Reds, and you got Joey Votto, Mike Moustakis, and some lefties, you probably want him as your number two because you have lefties in the lineup. Or if you were facing the Reds a bunch early on in the season, you want him to face them as much as you can. And my point being is that it's a manipulation of the schedule a lot of times is what dictates your rotation. Yeah, so, it's more about it. That's a fan label thing more so than it yeah. is an application to what it means on the field. So uh, you're coming up. You're going to talk a lot of hockey. Of course. Alex is. Got some questions for Alex. Well, he seems to be okay. Yeah, I, I think he's I all think right. he seems to be okay. I'm uh, he he seems to be in line with where Craig Berube was last night. Competed. I want to ask him what's going on with the captain right now because he is not in line with where Alex Ferrario is. So I'm I'm very curious to get his thoughts on Ryan O'Reilly's comments from last night. We'll get into that. Yachty is officially back. The cards were right. We'll get into that coming up off the top. Jeremy Rutherford's going to join us at 1215, and we've got Mike Johnson coming up at 1 o'clock. All right, looking forward to it. We'll talk to everybody uh, tomorrow at 10. i got to tell you also, this Friday morning, participate in the 21st annual Hardy's Rise and Shine for Heat fundraiser. Stop by any participating Hardy's in the bi-state area this Friday morning between 6 and 1030. Grab a sausage biscuit or egg biscuit for the special price of just $1. 100% of the proceeds of all funds collected will help heat up St. Louis, supporting people in need both here in Missouri and Illinois. Help heat up St. Louis region this Friday morning at any participating Hardee's. Tanner, awesome job as always, and we'll talk to you tomorrow at 10 on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to The Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.